Thank you, Mary. Aren't we wonderfully blessed with musicians in our church family? That's, that's just tremendous with a choir. Uh, I just almost come up here and bumped Harry out of the way to where I could preach. I just <laughs> excited to be with you again this morning. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13 will be there in just a moment. God has just really emplaced on our heart that it is so important for us to be intentional for us to be on purpose, that everything we do as we reach out into our community, as we share the gospel, as we share our stories, that we would be intentional of doing that to the end that we'll see more people come to faith in Christ and, and more people return to church. Maybe they haven't been in church in a while. And, you know, this is, this is our mission field, folks. This is our mission field. When we walk out of these doors, we walk out as missionaries onto our mission field. And as all missionaries, you need to be intentional about what God is calling you to do. We've looked specifically in Acts 2, as the early church was born, how they were intentional about evangelism, about discipleship, about ministry, about fellowship and worship and prayer. And so we've been asking ourselves, are we being intentional? Are, are we doing church on purpose, or are we going to do just church on routine, just the way we've always done it before? Are we intentional in our individual lives about reaching people in our community, talking to our neighbors, sharing with our friends about the story of how God had transformed our lives and the gospel of Jesus Christ? We've asked ourselves, what's our plan? And you know, if you don't have a plan, <laughs> you're not going to get anything done more than likely. Uh, as I, I worked with a dear friend I called Papa Frank in his woodworking shop, uh, he, he had a saying up over the workbench. You know, he's, and it just simply says, plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. So I, I asked, do you have a plan? What is your plan as an individual, you as your family, to reach your neighborhood, reach your community with the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's being intentional. And otherwise, we're just being accidental, all right? What are we intentionally doing to reach folks? So the last two weeks, we've looked at intentional evangelism, and we've looked at intentional discipleship. Today, I want us to look at the third of these we find in Acts 2, and that's intentional ministry. Jesus said, as Tony read this this morning, as he was sharing about the, the confession of faith that Peter gave, he said, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will build my church. You know, building is something I enjoy. It's something that's fun. Don't you love to go to these places, these big box places, and you get a, a bookshelf, or you get whatever it is, and it comes in a little bitty flat box, and then you scoot it all out, and there's all these different pieces there in the middle of it? And, and then you, you, right away, you empty out all the screws and stuff, and you start putting stuff together, right? I hope you take a minute to read the instructions. That bookshelf may look like a doghouse by the time you get to the end of it, all right? There's a plan. There's a plan to build that bookhouse, that, that bookhouse, that bookshelf, in just the right way. So it's not a bookhouse. And we follow the plan, and the plan makes it work. God has a plan to build His church. He has a plan to build his church, and he opens that up for us in Acts chapter 2. But I want you to look at something in Romans 13. I, I have you go there for a moment. This is a so, so very important for me. Romans 13, 
And find verse 11, if you will, please. Romans 13, 11. Paul writes this to the church. Okay, he's writing to the church. It's high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Could it be that in Paul's day, he was finding a group of believers who had really just kind of dozed off. They, they'd gone to sleep. They were comfortable in their salvation, comfortable in that they knew that they had eternal life, but were no longer concerned about their neighbors. They were no longer sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's writing to them saying, wake up! It's time to wake up. Could it be that the church of Jesus Christ in America, could it be that some of us even in our own church here have fallen asleep very comfortable in our own salvation? Very comfortable in, in that we're doing the things that we should do and the way we're living our lives. But we're not reaching out to a lost world. We're not reaching out to friends and neighbors with the gospel. Could it be said of us that we've fallen asleep? History tells us that Napoleon once looked at a map of China and he tapped it and he said this. He said, there lies a sleeping giant. Mm. If it ever awakes... It will be unstoppable. I wonder sometimes, does God look down at His church, especially in America today, and says, if my church would wake up, it would be unstoppable. If my church would wake up, there would be nothing that the gates of hell could do to prevail against it. We need to ask ourselves a question in our heart. Have we been lulled into sleep? Dr. Stanley said this, he said, on any given Sunday morning during the hour of worship, we can find the church asleep. From pulpit to pews, we sleep in contentment of who we are and what we're doing, actually content in what we're not doing. Could we be that sleeping giant? You, you've heard of, of the 1090 plan, haven't you, as it comes to church? The 1090 plan? That's where you know 10% of the membership do 90% of the work and the giving. I think I can't find it in my Bible, but it's got to be in there somewhere, I'm sure, because so many churches, you know, especially in America, that's the way we are, following the 1090 plan. Uh, George Gallup did a, uh, an interesting study not long ago uh, about churches across denominational lines in America today, and he found this. He said, indeed, 10% of American church members are actively engaged in personal ministry. But he went on to say that 50% have no interest in being involved in ministry at all. Now, wait a minute now. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to add 10% with 50%. That gives me 60%. Where's the other 40? And interestingly enough, the, the study went on to say that 40% of those responded interestingly said they would be interested in being involved in ministry, but they had never been asked or they didn't know how. Now let me tell you something. That'll get a pastor excited. To get off the 1090 plan and get onto a 50-50 plan, that sounds real good. Real good. They've never thought about being engaged. So this morning, I want you to feel the challenge of Holy Spirit today.
That as we look at intentional ministry, what that means is each and every member of the body of Christ is a minister of Jesus Christ, and God calls us to be engaged in ministering through the church and throughout our community and our neighborhood. That's intentional ministry. We've been trying to be very clear to define terms. So, Brother Fred, what do you mean when you say ministry? Ministry is the partnership of God's people with God's Spirit to accomplish God's purpose in our lives and the lives of others. Let me say that again. Ministry is the partnership of God's people with God's Spirit to accomplish God's purpose in our lives and the lives of others. Think of ministry as serving other people. What we do under the banner of ministry should never, ever, ever be accidental. It should always be on purpose. It should always be intentional. And the early church had a plan. Look with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And this is the section that, you know, Peter has preached and they've been, all these thousands have come to faith in Christ. The church is being born and all of the things that are happening as we read about that. I just want to take out a little portion of it in verses 44 and 45 for this morning. We've read it the last couple of weeks. But let's read just these two verses if I may. Acts 2, 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, what does this mean? What does this mean not only here in the second chapter of Acts and to the early church as it was starting, but what does it mean for our church? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? Holy Spirit, we sense you opening the heart of God to us, so we want to open our hearts to you. And we pray together in Christ's name. Amen. Let me tell you God's plan as I see it here in Acts chapter 2. The plan to build the church has two, two aspects to it. One is giving up, and the other is giving out. One is giving up, and the other is giving out. That's what I see this being the plan. God's purpose is, first of all, for us to give up. Now, all who believed, all, all who believed were together. And they had all, all, all things in common. The very first aspect is the giving up. When I came to faith in Christ, maybe you did this too, but when I came to faith in Christ... I gave him my heart. I gave him all of who I am. I said, Lord, here I am. You have given your all to me. You have given your whole life for me. You have gone to the cross. You have died. You've rose again. You've done everything conceivable and more for me. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my possessions. I give you all that I am. And that's something that I have to renew regularly. And maybe you do too. But this starts by giving up. Giving up who we are to who He is. That's the first and the essential step. When Paul was writing and talking about uh, an offering that was being gathered together to take to the church in Jerusalem because they were in such bad shape, they were, they were just starving there, and, and a lot of persecution going on. He was commending a church. He was commending the church of Macedonia. Now this was a poor church in a poverty-stricken area. None of them had 
much to offer. But they, they put together a very precious offering for the suffering saints that were in Jerusalem. Okay? And here's, here's what he wrote about this. Precious, he said, They first gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. What were they doing? First, they said, okay, everything we are and everything we have belongs to God. And so because everything that we have and everything we are belongs to God, that God, how do you want us to support our brothers who are out here that are hurting, that are being persecuted in Jerusalem? They first gave up. And then they were able to give out. I wonder if our greatest problem when it comes to our generosity is that we haven't given up. We haven't given up enough. We haven't given God all that we are. And we don't trust Him with all that we are and all that we have. Maybe that's a problem sometimes with our generosity. That we hold back because we haven't first given up. And this sermon is not about giving money. I want you to understand that. Giving up, first of all, says, God, everything I am, my time, my talents, my abilities, my treasures, everything is yours. First, I understand that I give out. Ultimately, we sometimes in modern church, here in America especially, we limit the whole concept of ministry and, and to, to just the professional ministers. That ministry is something that those who are called to preach and to sing, that, that's, that's what they do. Or, or maybe it's something that, that the deacons do. Or maybe it's something that the, the teachers and such do. But the rank and file people, we're not called to ministry. But we are. The fact of the matter is that when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, whether you realized it a lot, you raised your hand and said, I volunteer. <laughs> I, I, I want to give all of I am to whatever God you need for me to do. I'm yours. Use me as you will. Listen to what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that we are all created for ministry. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. What are those? That's ministering to one another. First, 2 Timothy 1.9 God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. In 1 Peter 4, you have received this spiritual gift. Minister to one another in that grace. Jesus, when He was about to be taken up into the clouds into heaven to return to the Father, He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. You go. What? Go in that authority. So He's given us that authority. Ephesians 4 says, He gave you gifts equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Listen, ministry is something we share together. Ministry is something that we partner together with the Holy Spirit of God to meet the needs of people in the church, outside of the church. This is what God's called us to do. You know when we're happiest? We're happiest when we're serving. We're happiest when we're doing things to help people. Yesterday, we had our Feed the Hungry ministry. Okay, started the day early with that. Many of you were involved in that. That's where we get the opportunity to help hundreds and hundreds of people in our community. Just have some basic food there that they can eat and take care of them in certain ways. That followed by our fall festival last night. Where we, I don't know how many people were here. I don't know how many hot dogs were eaten. But I, but I don't know how many people were on campus. Best guess we've been able to put together about 1,200 even on a cold night, even though the Georgia-Florida game was going on. Some of you probably didn't come because you were watching the Georgia-Florida game. But 
what a wonderful time to, to... And over and over again, here's what we heard. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for providing a safe, kid-friendly environment that we can bring our children to and they can be loved on by the folks here at First Baptist Church. It's just phenomenal. Phenomenal. But it, it, it takes a small army. Let me ask you something. If you participated just yesterday in Feed the Hungry, or if you participated in our fall festival in some way, will you slip your hand up real quick? Just slip it. Look around, folks. Look around. Okay? That's, that's just one weekend of your church in action. And why do we do this? Because we feel God has called us to be engaged in ministry. Loving people. Because first we have given up to the Lord. That's what's essential. In Matthew 10, 10, 39, it says, Jesus says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give it up for me, you'll find it. There it is. Give it up. There's the secret. There's the secret. It's like we give our lives as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. That's what Paul wrote in Romans. You remember that? He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's another word for ministry. That's just what's reasonable. God calls us to be reasonable. But we got to be intentional about it. See, this is what we're talking about. Intentional. What's your plan? What's your plan to be engaged in ministry? What's your plan to minister in your community? What's your plan to minister there in your neighborhood? What's your ministry, or what's your plan to minister to your family? What, what's your plan? Oh, see, if, if we have a plan, we're being intentional. But if we're, uh, I don't know, God will do something, you know. That's not a plan. Plan your work, and then you can work your plan. That's our reasonable service. So after giving up, then it tells us to give out. Look what they did here. They, after they'd given everything they had up to the Lord, then it says in verse 45, they divided among all as anyone had need. They divided to all as anyone had need. You, you, you know what has to change in my heart? You know what has to change, I think, in all of our heart? We've got to get away from this meanness. Me, meanness. You know, in America today, we're referred to as the me generation. The me generation. It's all about us. All about us. You know? And we measure everything as to, well, what's that going to cost me? Or what benefit is in that for me? Or all about me, me, me. And even we look at church membership that way sometimes. We look at church membership that way. Now, membership is a good word, but I'm wondering if it's the best word. You know, membership, you know, you've heard the phrase, membership has its privileges. You've heard that phrase, membership has its privileges. And if you're a membership of the Platinum Club in this, or, you know, the Gold Club in that, or the Titanium Club in this, or whatever, then, then you're, you're a member, and it has certain privileges that are, you are awarded. Let me tell you, membership in the church, let me tell you the privilege of the membership, of the, being a member of a church. You get to be engaged in ministry. You get to be engaged in seeing people come to faith in Christ. You get to be engaged in sharing your story to this lost world. You get to be engaged in missions here and all the way around the world. 
Bob's with us. He just got back. I don't know if he's awake yet or not, but he just got back that long flight from over in Ukraine. And we got to be there with him in our prayers and our support and our encouragement to him. You reach all the way around the world. Lorraine is back. Lorraine, are you here today? I haven't found you yet. I saw you last night. Lorraine is back from, from a two-year stint in ministry. And, and this calls these people that we get to send out and be a part of. What's your plan to give out? After what all God has given us, what's your plan to give out? Evangelism has its urgency. Discipleship has its purpose. Ministry has its mandate. Fellowship has its focus. Worship has its wonder. Prayer has its power. But all of this is the privilege of membership and being a part of God's church. The early church came together and they, they, they got together in one, in one accord and then they totally they gave themselves up to God and then they said, okay, where is there a need that we can meet? Here's their attitude. See a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. That was their attitude. And that was so against the culture of the day. And it's so against the culture of our day as well. See a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. But that's the culture of Christ. You see something that needs to be done, you just do it. You don't assume somebody else is going to do it. Wind's been blowing and leaves have been falling and everything. And down here on one of our doors, the door had been opened a time or two and, and, and some leaves had rushed in, probably about a couple of dozen of them or so. And uh, I had walked down to go to my office and I turned around and come back. When I came back, I found one of our members down on her knees picking up those leaves. And she could have said, that's, that's the job of the custodian. They'll come in here tomorrow. That's their job. Let them take care of it. No. She saw a need, she met a need. See a need, meet a need. That's the attitude to have intentional ministry. We're not going to walk by something, not going to walk by somebody and think, well, somebody. No, no, no. Here's somebody. Here's the somebody. Right here. Us. The target of ministry is others. The instrument of ministry is the gospel. The purpose of the ministry is to see the lost come to faith in Christ. The power of ministry is Holy Spirit. The reward of ministry is changed lives. The place of ministry is everywhere we go. The time of ministry is right now. And the person of ministry is us. We are called. And listen, let's just listen to the Word. Romans 12 goes on in verse 4 to say, For as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. Listen to what it says. Having then gifts, differing according to the grace given us, let us use them. Spiritual gifts that God has given us. We're equipped for anything God calls us to do because of our unique giftedness. First, First Peter chapter four it says in, in verse ten, and each one has received as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has gifted us to use us in ministry. See a need, meet a need. Can I tell you about my granddaddy for just a moment? My granddaddy, when I was real, real little, uh, was engaged in church. Later on, most of my growing up years, granddaddy didn't go to church. 
But when I was when I was real, real little, I remember just one of two or three times I got to go to church with him. And Granddaddy would, would get me inside and sit me down with Grandmother. And then he would go grab a handful of bulletins, go out the front door of the church, and they had a set of steps going down. And he would stand on the steps, and as people were coming up the steps, he would say, hey, I'm glad to have you here with us today, and give them a bulletin, and, and welcome them. Nobody asked him to do that. He hadn't been voted in to be an usher or anything like that. He saw, he saw a need. And then, then I remember one day, it was raining really hard, and he got me and grandmother up and inside the church, and he turned back around. We went on inside. He turned back around, and he stood in the pouring down rain under his umbrella, waiting for people to get there. And as they'd get out of the car, he'd hold the umbrella up for them to get out of the car. And if they didn't have one, he'd walk them all the way up the steps into the church. And the next sunny day, he, he got a bunch of bulletins, and he went outside, and he was waiting for people to get there. And one of the men of the church, I don't know what his, what his responsibility was here. Again, I was a little bitty fella. He came and said, Tom, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm just standing out here welcoming people, handing out bulletins. We had ushers for that. Tom said, well, I'm just, just trying to help. He said, no, that's all right. We got ushers for that. And that's when Granddaddy walked out of that church. And it was 20 years later or more around the death of my grandmother before he went back to church again. He had the heart to see a need and meet a need. But he happened to be in a church that were too structured for just anybody to be in ministry. Folks, let me tell you something. That's not our church. It's okay to see a need and meet a need here. It's okay to get in a Bible study group, a Sunday school group, or, or, or uh, one of our other small groups. And as you get together and as you're studying the Word, Holy Spirit's beginning to moving and you see a need. And what do you do? You go meet that need. We have Sunday school classes that have projects that are going on, or they have special things that they do. Somebody asked me one day, tell me about all the ministries of your church. I said, I can't. I have no idea what all of God's people are doing here. I can tell you the, the big things that we do and that we, that we fund in the budget and such as that. But every one of our classes almost has some kind of a project going on. Every Bible study group. Uh, every ministry group. Why? I hear, if you're one of the 40% that knows you need to be engaged in something, folks, just look around you. Join a Bible study group. Join a ministry already going on. Just become a part of what God's doing. But be intentional. If your ministry is outside the walls of this church, that's okay too. Why do we do ministry? We do it to have opportunity to share our story about how Christ has changed our lives and share the gospel with other people. That's what it's about. So here's my question. What's your plan? What's your plan? If you don't have a plan in just a moment, I'm going to ask you in prayer to start asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what should my plan be? Help me to devise the plan that I need to be the servant you want me to be here in this place. If you have a plan, are you working it? Are you working it?
Maybe right now you're saying, what's all this about? I don't, I don't really understand. Let me tell you in just a couple of moments. I was wandering without any plan in my life whatsoever. But someone invited me to go to church. And I heard the preacher talking about Jesus Christ. I knew very little about Jesus. But he told me that he was God's son and God sent him to earth to live a perfect life. But then to die on a cross to take everybody's sins, Fred Lodge's sins upon himself. To take the punishment for all the wrong that we had ever done. And then three days later, he rose from the grave in order to give all who would believe on him his eternal life. I'd never heard that story before. Wasn't aware of that. But as I heard that, something began to stir within my heart. That the God that I did not know would love me so much that He would become a man. And not only to become a man to where I could know about Him historically as the historical figure He is, but that He would take my guilt and shame upon Himself. Take my punishment in my place. And then turn back around and give me His eternal life. That's the message I want you to hear today. I want you to know that in the next few moments, you can ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior as well. And He'll call you to be engaged with this church in ministry. Will you bow your heads and let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I come before you just as humbly as I know how. So imperfect. So filled with my own faults but praising You, God, that You dared to love me even though I was so unlovable. And You still love me even when I can be unlovable. Father God, I ask You right now to minister Your grace into our lives. There are people here today that need to say yes to Your invitation. The invitation to come and ask You to come in their heart. Be their Lord and their Savior. Cleanse them of their sins and welcome them into a family of faith. Lord, in the next few moments, would you encourage those who would like to be saved to come and share with us and allow us the opportunity to, to pray over them and encourage them. Father, maybe there are others who want to come to the altar and just pray and say, God, I, I've not been doing life on purpose, I've not been intentional. But if you'll help me, if you'll give me a plan, I want to have your plan for my life and my family and my neighborhood. Lord, help me with a plan. I want to be involved. There are others who may want to join our fellowship. Lord, this is, is your time to be honored and to be exalted. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.